Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Nickish Show. This is episode number 52 now that we're up to. It's post-lottery and today is the birthday of the late and great Kobe Bryant. Happy 42nd birthday, King. R.I.P. to you and Gigi. Seeing here my man Nafi and going. what's going on this Sunday morning, man? How you doing? Um, I mean, you touched on it right there. Happy birthday to the one and only Kobe. Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bean Bryant, and his lovely daughter Gigi. Um, fucking that tragedy is still fresh on both our minds. You know what I mean? And like I was just telling you before we started recording that uh, it was just kind of we just I just started processing like getting over it. You know what I mean? Like I honestly like as soon as the news happened, just stopped watching ball, and then obviously COVID hit, so there was no ball to watch. So just like these last kind of playoff rounds. I've been probably the most basketball basketball I've watched since Kobe's untimely passing, and then obviously this being his birthday today is just you know those same kind of emotions are rushing back. You know what I mean? So right, yeah, no, definitely feel you on that. Um, yeah, with the, with the death of Kobe, I also had to stop watching basketball for a long time. I, I to this day I haven't watched his tribute video. I know I mentioned it when we first got back to uh, to our quarantine episode number one. Uh, back in, I want to say, April at this time. And to this day, I haven't watched it, but today is his birthday, and everyone's just posting videos, and it's, it, like, shit's real, bro. Like, one, I feel like once Kobe died back in January, that was, like, the first domino effect in a pretty shitty year. And it's it's interesting how, like, seven months later, we're seeing a lot of more Kobe posts, and we're reminded of everything that he really stood for, the perseverance, the the Mamba mentality and what it really means. And it's, you know, one quote that I posted earlier that he said uh, from the Nike video, if you guys haven't checked it out, check out that Nike tribute video that they did with K-Dot, Kendrick Lamar uh, narrating. It was awesome. Uh, amazing goosebumps, really. And the the main quote that I took away from that was Kobe saying, you wake up every single day to get better today than you were yesterday. And I think if you have to hear that in any year, it's 2020. Like on a day when young adults like you and I are going through so much mentally about what's going to happen in the future and we're really just trying to move forward and try to have a brighter day tomorrow. So hearing something like that from Kobe is really inspiring and it has the opposite effect as it did seven months ago when we just felt like shit. I personally feel a little better. I feel stronger just seeing more videos of Kobe and how he was and start to think about how what he would have said today if he were still alive and how he would try to inspire us all to really try to strengthen and be better mentally and physically, you know. So that was my takeaway from his 42nd birthday. And RIP to Gigi as well. For sure. And, you know, just like like you just touched on, like you hit it on the head, just like 2020s, it's been a rough year all around. And obviously some folks have it rougher than others. Um, there are some folks that, like, you know, this pandemic, the unemployment rates, we all are familiar with what's going on in this country. So, like, to your point, it's like mentally it can be a lot – a lot of burden you know what I mean day by day especially what's like like I just said what's going on in the world so you got to have that mama mentality to power through 
on days when you just feel like you ain't got the energy or like yo like everything's weighing down on you like you got to push through that's what kobe was most famously known for that in the five rings that and you know yeah. the black mamba nickname that and you know just being the closest thing we've all seen since jordan um yo like we could talk on and on about his resume about what he meant to the game of basketball and what he meant to us personally but just on a day like today just you know try to live exactly as kobe would want us to live with that mama mentality that um you know that always unyielding drive to succeed and yo like even in his later stages he showed that like no matter what no matter how maniacally like dedicated you are to your craft you got to still put your family first and he balanced both of that especially in his post retirement years just as best as you could you know so all around like yo rest in peace to kobe rest in peace to gg and both our both our hearts and you know our thoughts and prayers are with uh, vanessa and uh kobe's you know still remaining daughters so I saw that post. I know you probably saw it the other day. Just Paul Gasol oh, yeah. hanging out mm. with them. You know what 100%. I mean? Yeah. Whew, you talk. You talk about a gut punch, bro. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I have goosebumps as like, we speak, dude. It's, it's, it's a very heavy topic to speak about. It's like talking about an older brother, honestly, and one that we saw succeed for so many years since we were just kids. Like every memory that we had of Kobe was him being successful with something and just being the best at what he was doing and seeing Powell. Like, credit, much, much credit to Powell. I think he deserves more than he's getting. He's not just posting videos. He's hanging out with, with his family, with Kobe's family, taking them on vacation. Saw a picture with, with him and Kobe's daughter, like, on on vacation. It was, it was really cute, really nice. And um, the youngest yeah, one. The youngest one, right? The, the like, the baby. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. He was, like, cheesing so hard. And, like, you know, this is, like, getting super sad. But it's just, like just a tragedy that like Kobe won't be able to just like tell that youngest daughter about what made Powell so special on his life and the bond they had but yo like Powell is doing exactly what a good friend yo it's just like hats off to him like you said just like coming in there in a tough time for like one of his close friends like families with a unspoken or unspeakable kind of tragedy that just occurred Powell stepping up and like really it's just beautiful. That's, I guess, like, that's the best way to formulate. And, like, neither of us are really talking as clearly as we could because, yo, it's just, it's Kobe. You know what I mean? Nothing more need to be said. Like, if you got a love for the game of basketball, Kobe had an impact on you and he had a connection to you. You know what I mean? So, rest in peace. That's all that we can say at this point, you know? Yeah, but rest in peace to both of them. And you pretty much put it all together, I think, for both of us. Very well said. Now, I think at this time, we're going to pivot a little bit towards Nickish and what we plan on doing moving forward because we do have a few announcements. I think the Sunday edition that Nafi and I are doing, it's going to be like our usual back and forth kind of thing on different topics. But moving forward, every Tuesday and Friday, we're going to have Friday and Tuesday morning. What do we want to call it? We'll call that the, the Nickish cup of coffee. Early morning recordings, we put her out early enough for y'all to, uh, you know, uh, listen to on your digital commute if you're working from home or if you're in a position where you're an essential worker or, you know, you just work for some bum-ass companies that are making you go to work daily because of the, during a pandemic, then, yo, you'll have a little bit of Nick, Nickish content to uh, consume on your morning commute, hence the Nickish cup of coffee. Yeah. 
we're basically going to put together everything that's been going on in, in basketball. And there are plenty that's going to be happening the next couple of months with the playoffs and free agency and the NBA draft and all that. So we're going to talk about whatever's going on. Quick episodes, 30 minutes for you guys to enjoy and listen to in the morning. And Sunday is going to be a continuation of the usual podcast that we have over here at Nick Gitch. So look out for that uh, every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. And in addition, as you guys know, we are now part of the NBK Network. So we're going to be talking with guys over there, um, Simeon Russell and the guys that he has on his team. Uh, Andy and Guillermo and a few other guys from Die Hard Knicks podcast and Legion of Knicks podcast and we're going to be uh, with them on Sportscaster so again check out nothing but Knicks on YouTube and all podcast platforms so we're very much excited for that yeah and I mean if the for our listeners uh, or you know viewers since we do got a fledgling YouTube account going they haven't actually tuned in or, you know, uh, had the privilege to, you know, um, watch Simeon's uh, live lottery action and post lottery reaction live. I highly recommend it. Um, those guys did a pretty entertaining job just really capturing the raw emotion. And, you know, Simeon, he's one to take callers during his shows. So, you know, he we got that element as well on those shows where it was just raw, Nick, uh, raw unfiltered Knicks fan reaction to uh, just a really unideal lottery night once again so yeah definitely go check that out if you haven't um i'm sure he has the the whole you know broadcast archived on his youtube page and sportscaster so yeah definitely yeah. give uh give our boy sim a, a listen and a review shit while you're at it check us out on instagram and twitter also on youtube at nickish show oh, yeah especially if you're a first time listener you got plenty to to listen to we have uploaded our live reactions to the draft lottery. Obviously, it didn't go as we hoped for. As you know, that's that's some nickish shit to happen, bro. So, fuck it. Let's let's get let's get into it. The draft lottery initial reaction. I'm sure you know listeners can listen to. We were not happy, but we weren't as uh, unhappy as we were last year. Last year, boy, boy, we were crying, <laughs> borderline I crying, mean, and upset that we didn't get Zion. But shit, this draft is a little different. Last year was kind of a, a double-edged sword. We, I was just going ballistic that we didn't fall the top, you know, or to the to fall out of the top five. I remember that was a major thing, and we uh, stayed in the top three. So you know, regardless, you, you and I, I feel like yeah, we panicked or got sad because we wasn't gonna get Zion. You and I both respectively didn't really know much about Ja at the time because. I don't know where to watch Murray State games. I don't even know that was a school until John Morant. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we were both kind of, like, really settling quick on the, okay, you know, third pick, R.J. Barrett, you know? I mean, we said it from the start of that season, like, hey, if we're tanking, it's these guys, Zion and R.J. Um, you know, Jerry's still out on what happens with R.J.'s destiny as a player, but I'm, I'm still satisfied with that. But, yeah, this was a little different just because we felt we fell two spots, you know, from six to eight. That's never never fun but yeah if you, if yeah, you guys I mean, don't yeah if you guys don't know this the Knicks have never gone up on the draft odds whatever the Knicks were slated for they either got that pick or they moved down and they I got have, two I, we have never moved up I got two theories for that if if Stern did rig the Patrick Ewing draft then this is just like them rigging it so that we don't win the number one ever since then you know what I mean? like, okay you guys <laughs> you guys literally win the first lotto and then this is the deal with the devil you guys don't get anything else and 
right. I mean, you and I weren't like really alive and functioning to really enjoy the fruits of that number one pick, but that shit is some ass, bro. Like mm-hmm. that's the deal. Like Adam Silver just ripped that shit up. I don't know who 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 signed that deal, but my other theory is okay. If that the, the eighty five draft wasn't rigged, then okay, it was karma blessing us, and then now karma is just like ah, that's that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. You guys, you guys are good. Big Pat Ewing, and then. We'll give you mellow, sprinkle in about 20 years after that. But otherwise, yeah, you're good. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, day-to-day life as a Knicks fan. You know what I mean? We got to realize what the fuck karma did to us. But, yeah, but, I mean, um, we did record live. Um, and I know, I think you and I were thinking about just releasing the audio for that. You know what I mean? We'll call it uh, yeah, a by the time night, everyone, Yeah, by the time everyone listens to this, it'll be the previous episode. It'll be 2.26. We're right now recording 2.27. So. Yeah, so give that a listen if you want to hear raw and filtered emotion, um, or lack of emotion, because like mm-hmm. you you took a you took a picture of us just like right as soon as uh, it got revealed. I swear to God, I look like that dog from the meme, bro. Like this yeah. is fine, <laughs> internally <laughs> screaming. You know what I mean? Fire in the background. <laughs> we, we doing all right. You know what I mean, that's that's Knicks fans shit for you. You know what I mean? You got to be hold a grin amidst chaos and dysfunction. So now. Yeah. Yeah, we we give a lot of credit to Leon Rose for everything he's done since he's been hired with the front office and the coaching staff, but this is going to be a huge test for him and his front office on what they decide to do. So a lot of people are speculating that the Knicks are going to try to move up, get the number one, two, or three pick to try to nab LaMelo Ball, but those same Knicks fans are also like, yeah, yo, we're going to give up Julius Randle and the number eight pick. We're going to get number two. Like It it doesn't work that way, and I really don't think it's going to work out moving up. I, I truly don't believe... That the, that the Knicks will be able to move up. I don't think we have enough assets, and if we think we do, another team can out out you know offer. Well, I mean us. that that begs the question that um well who do you think has comparable or b- better assets right now in the stage of the game? What's the best package that we can offer for a number two pick? Um, well, if you, if you think, of, think if you think of the players that we can offer, I don't have to think hard enough to find another team that can out offer us like. Outside of Mitch and RJ, I doubt we're going to give up one of our cornerstone pieces, as Leon Rose quoted, for the number two pick. Especially for an un... Like, none of those players are established enough as Zion was last year, you know? So, all these guys well, come in with a question mark. As good as they are, they all true. have a bit of a question well, that, mark. Well, that... And that right there is why I'm thinking it's more feasible for us to trade up, because this isn't like a draft like a Zion. There's a Zion in it or a Cat in it. So, I think just the fact that from all voices and perspectives this is a very you know choose your own flavor um really uh, no consensus in draft it's a lot of parody so i think that in itself kind of opens itself up to okay deals i think are more feasible moving up and down the draft and I'm, I'm just looking at the top two picks too you know minnesota you know i think they're probably more likely to keep that pick than golden state is to pick number two but i think right there is just you know two i don't think we've seen just like in the draft in the top two two teams more open to dealing it you know what i mean like i saw um you know this is some random twitter conjecture but people are out there thinking what if you know minnesota you know their dream obviously or not their dream but you know cat delos and devin booker's dream is a team together right what if minnesota throws that number one pick and with a whole bunch of other stuff to phoenix you know what i mean for devin booker i think this might be that type of draft and i know i saw minnesota's gm even say hey you know, where everything's on the table, we, we could move down, we could trade it for a player. So, you know, as general general manager kind of speak, but I think that says a lot because, you know, last year it was like, oh, if you get the number one pick, just take Zion and run, no matter who gets it, you know what I mean? Like, 
I don't think anybody last year in that position would have thought about trading number one pick, you know? So that's, that's probably why I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic that I think there is smoke or um, there is some fire to all this smoke about, you know, LaMelo being our guy no matter where we end up. So, you know, we'll see is the biggest thing. I mean, that Minnesota example that you gave works out if you have Devin Booker. We have no player even remotely close to a Devin Booker kind of guy. I think well, yeah, we, no. I'm not saying we can't move up, but I don't think we can move all the way up from eight to one or two. I think we might be able to move up to six and try to get a pick before the Pistons do, because the, Pist- the Pistons, if they want to pick up anybody, it's gonna be a point guard because they don't have one right now, unless you count Derrick Rose. But Derrick Rose, you can't rely on for your future, along with Blake Griffin. So, I think the Knicks might try. They they might be in a position where Killian Hayes is still available, and mm-hmm. they don't want Detroit to pick him up, and they're gonna try to trade with six. I forgot who six is. Whoever sixes, they might try to get that that position, and uh, I guess you're gonna look it up while while I'm while we're still talking about it. But I feel like that would be <laughs> a more re- re- reasonable idea of what the Knicks might want to do to pick up because there there's so there are very, there are a lot of solid point guards in this draft with Kira Lewis, Killian Hayes, Lamelo. There there are a bunch of guys that the Knicks can come away with, and if it comes to that point where Edwards is gone, Lamelo's gone, and Killian Hayes is available, and you already know that the Detroit's going to pick him up, and we don't want it to be a God forbid Steph Curry kind of position. It's it's ironic that you know so many years later when we have the number eight pick again, and the number seven team also needs a point guard, we're going to lose out on a very solid potential All Star. You know. Yeah, but it's just like I kind of keep going back to like okay, even if like Minnesota is not feeling what we're trying to offer, just because back to our lottery reaction i was thinking yeah minnesota is more likely to trade it for veteran help than another young piece and what we really have are picks and young pieces to trade um i saw you know some conversations about even throwing mitch into a deal i wouldn't do it personally i don't think any Knicks fan would do it but mitch in number eight for number two and another additional future first round pick and let's see what else is on going to say roster you don't know that's just i'm just throwing out ideas but I think it's a very fluid kind of draft because I don't think the draft picks hold as much value this year as they would in previous draft. Or that's just like the kind of the tone that it always takes whenever there's a draft in the NBA and the word surrounding and the conversation surrounding the draft is, oh, it's really weak. There's a lot of parity. Um, you know, it's it's different kind of uh, preferences for each team. I think that all almost always lends itself to a lot of trade activity. So... That's partially why I'm still keeping that door open for LaMelo. I understand it's unlikely. You know, it might just be a pipe dream just because eight falling to eight was too low. If we had stayed at six, you know what I mean? I could see that, you know, maybe moving up to the top two. But, hey, I'm looking at it right now. We got Charlotte at number three. Um, Jordan's never been about, you know, tanking, you know, building slow with young picks, you know. So, you know, maybe we could entice them with a lightly used Julius Randle in a deal with eight the Dallas picks, you know what I mean, to move up to three. You know, I'm just going off of the the characters in play right now. Jordan is always about win now, ever since he took over as the Charlotte Hornets um, GM. So, I don't know. I mean, I think the possibilities are there. But the biggest thing I think we should lean on is just that, like, Leon built himself an impressive staff of scouting talent. So, I'm more than comfortable just staying at eight, staying at, what is it, 27, and, you know, we've got a pretty high second-round pick as well. So if the goal is just to get three nice young gems to build into the culture, I'm cool with that too. So 
a lot of options, I think. You know? yeah. I think this is a draft where we're not going to find our superstar, but we're going to find really good role players to be starters on the team. Honestly, if we get Devin Vessel and a solid point guard in Kira Lewis, they can move up. They can move up from 27 and try to nab Kira Lewis somehow or you know, one of, one of those guys. It's not exactly a deep draft, but there are a lot of you know, low-key players that might turn out to be very solid players. Yeah, I think the way that Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer coined it is like it's not like a top-heavy draft like in previous years where you've got that standout superstar talent. There's a lot of depth to it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of good – it's an underrated draft, as Kevin O'Connor said. And I don't know about you, but he I, – I, I, tip, I put a lot of weight into his draft opinions mm-hmm. just because for the Ringer, he's always the one – you know, with some of the other writers there, but he's the prime lead leader of them putting together a draft guide every year. Um, I even kind of followed his work before he even got to the ringer when he was at SB Nation, so he knows his stuff. And um, on that note, he's he's I think he had Killian Hayes number one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, on his board. So if we can get him at eight, you know, if he can last past Detroit, um, looking at it right now, I mean, I could see Chicago nabbing him. If like they see Kobe White is more of a score first guard, and Killian is more of a point guard, you know, I can see that happening. Um, Charlotte, I think, is a prime Lamelo spot if they stay there. But yeah, off the top, I think, you know, it's to be to be seen what happens with the with um with just what prospects or the news that comes out about what, who we like. But Ian Bagley, you know, I kept mentioning Cole Anthony on the lottery. It was for a reason, just because throughout the whole season before Leon took over. Ian Bagley was saying Cole Anthony had a lot of fans in the front office, so I kind of throw that at you. You think Cole Anthony is still, still a fan favorite in the Garden, or is did Leon come in and clean that all that up? Re- that report you just mentioned, how <laughs> long ago is that report? Well, that's the thing. Bagley dropped it during the lottery night. He said the Knicks have scouted him extensively throughout the season, and they've been fans of him. But it's to be his own words are like, it's to be seen if Leon Rose and the new front office carry that over, but... You know, if Scott Perry's still there, and he's got a good rapport with almost everybody in the new front office, I don't know. We might we might see Cole go eight, bro. You know, that's why I, I wasn't too mad on it. You know, I wasn't too upset about it. I, I know you like Cole well, Anthony, what? but me personally, I I think he's being overrated right now, and I think he's heavily right. if he's favored with the Knicks front office, it has to have some Greg Anthony kind of influence on that. You know, like he played very well. His first couple of his first couple of months, he what he became injured. But there are other point guards in a, in a in a draft where there's so many other point guards to choose from. I don't know if Cole Anthony's the fastest, best passer, best shooter, or any of those because I there are a lot of other players that are better than him in all those all those facets. Kira Lewis is faster than him easily. Um, well, what's your what's your biggest uh, gripe with Cole Anthony? Because like the opinions, like with all prospects, it seems like in the top ten across many outlets is varies. You know, I see the Stepien who do a lot of great work and have had folks. Their founder Cole Zwicker got hired hired by an NBA team. Spencer Perlman writes for them extensively. I know you and I are both fans. Mm-hmm. They've got Cole at number three on their big board right now as a tier one prospect, and um. I don't know. I just feel like he was in a tough situation in North Carolina, um, similar to not similar to RJ, but RJ in that he had uh, no shooters. You know, like Duke had talent last year. You know what I mean? But they had no shooters, so it wasn't a good fit for RJ's kind of game. Not totally ideal. And UNC, it's like it was the same lack of shooting, but also lack of talent. You know, so Cole Anthony being the one blue bud, blue blood, he you know until he got hurt a little bit from my 
from my vague recollection. And obviously, with with these next few weeks, we're gonna dig more into these prospects. But I wouldn't be mad at it at eight. I would be upset if we took him like top five. You know what I mean? Like if we loved him so much that we got climbed to three, we would take him. But obviously, that's not the case. You know? So we gotta. I don't know. I like Kira Luce as well, from what I hear about him. I know Sim is a big fan as well. Um, I don't know. I'm just not completely like against the prospect of Cole Anthony. I just don't have that strong feeling either way. I'm just kind of relying on the pedigree because, as we said offline in our kind of side conversations, like you know, it's it's it, it's always an advantage when a player comes from a lineage of NBA like talent because they they're exposed to just to that culture, the locker room. So they know how to be a professional in that professional setting. And they also, you know, are exposed to that level of like tutelage and mentorship that a regular kid, you know, wouldn't get otherwise. So I think that all night, all that needs to be into consideration. But I guess what I want to say is like, what's your biggest kind of gripe against Cole Anthony, you know? And, and this is like, you know, preliminary, obviously, we haven't done our extensive research yet. You know, this is just, you know, you and I are by no means draft experts. But, you know, what's your biggest gripe against Cole? You know what I mean? Maybe not much of a, maybe not much of a gripe, but I just don't think he's the best at anything from this draft. Like he's he's very talented, you know, no doubt about it. But you know, just looking at some of his, like from this draft, I really wanted a good playmaker and a guy who can attack on defense and is good at shooting. Like those are my main three things. And looking into Cole Anthony, he is a good shooter, not very tall. Uh, he is fairly athletic. He does hustle, but. That's why I I know this guy isn't very popular, but Tyrese Halliburton I really like that he's a six foot five guard with a seven foot wingspan. He reminds me a lot of Rondo with his playmaking and defense. Shooting yeah, but that's wise, the thing. Rondo Rondo yeah. could control the game though. Halliburton can't really create for himself. He's more of a like I think his usage rate was like a twelve percent or some shit on his team. He's more of a connector. You know what I mean? Right. Um. So I think that's where I think the Rondo compared to stops. Rondo you could count on to bring the ball up consistently and attack the paint and shit. Tyrese yeah. isn't really that kind of guy, you know. So right. I just want to and, chime in there. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And that that's his biggest that's his biggest flaw that he's not willing to drive in and attack the basket, which which RJ does really nicely. But that's that that I mean, Cole Anthony does do that well. I just I don't know. He seems a little bit average to me, a little too average. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Dennis Smith Jr., except he can shoot. I mean. Yeah, and I made that Dennis Smith kind of call back as well on the lottery thing, but it's just like Dennis is more athletic. Um, but Dennis's thing is just like he didn't come from that like that tutelage. You know what I mean? That lineage. You know what I mean? Of he don't have NBA blood in his blood. You know what I mean? And I think that what deserve or what was the biggest disservice to Dennis personally, I think it was just he didn't really come in as like a heady player. It's like an athletic freak that you hope with coaching could like you know be um you know, trained to, like, or, like, really get coached up to a point where he could play with more discipline, play with more IQ, make the right reads. And what the thing about Cole is, is he's been getting that his whole life. You know, Greg Anthony was a Knicks point guard, you know. Um, and, and like, he at UNC, I think that's... My thing is, like, I used to be a former UNC college ball fan where I used to watch that more consistently. And the thing I know about UNC, they, like, Roy Williams always recruits, like, these, like, small, like, athletic point guards, you know, Ray Felton, Ty Lawson, um, list goes on and on. So I think it's just, like, he's getting that kind of point guard tutelage as well. And, you know, I'm not, like, going for bat for him. I just feel like there's a there's an aura around Cole and Nick's Twitter. It was just like, yo, do not want, you know what I mean? But 
I tend to kind of lean towards just what what his pedigree is, what he's shown so far before he got hurt. And I'm thinking, you know, he could be coached up at, at a very minimum, you know, to like improve on some of his, uh, um, you know, defensive lapses, his consistency as a shooter. And he won't, my, my biggest thing is he won't have to carry a team like he would in college, you know, like UNC had like no talent. I don't think they're going to have anybody else that's get, that gets drafted this year, honestly. So I think that needs to be taken into consideration. But, you know, if you want to pivot to another guy, if we're staying at eight, I think Devin Vassell would be a home run. You know what I mean? Home yep. run. I think ideally, right, if I were in the front office at this moment, I would look to draft Devin, Devin Vassell at eight or and try to make a trade package with Kevin Knox and try to somehow move up a little bit, even to six, to draft Killian Hayes if Killian Hayes falls that falls down to six. I think you throw we, Knox in the trash and we brought his boy Kenny in, bro. <laughs> That's I, harsh. I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> uh, Devin Vassell would take over. He's a, he's a six foot ten wing who can play defense and he can shoot. Six ten. He's six ten. No, sorry, his wingspan is six ten. He's he's six seven, but he's excellent yeah, defensively, he's a, a two way player. If we have him, we don't we don't necessarily need Kevin Knox right now, especially with his abysmal shooting. We didn't bring Kenny for Kevin well, Knox. We brought Kenny well, for development. Well, do you consider Knox a wing though? I think Knox can theoretically play with Vessel and RJ because Knox, for me, to from the start, is just like his prime position is like, if we have a upside for Knox, like ideally what we hope he becomes, and like I know his name is not in the best of lights currently nowadays, but we would be hoping that he would become a Tobias Harris type, you know, a, four, a small ball for... And I think that's his role because I don't think Knox, like from all the years we've seen him, I don't think he has the quickness to keep up with guards, even at this young age where he's the most light and skinny as he can be. You know what I mean? So I think he's more of a four, and Vassal can slide in as, as a two or three. You know what I mean? I think that could work. I don't think we need a trade. I mean, if you're telling me you would trade Knox to move up for Vassal, if, you, if you're that big a fan, not to move I think up I'm for down. Vassal, but to get the eighth pick. Uh, for the eighth pick would be Vassal, but we'd be moving up for the sixth pick with Kevin Knox somehow and try to get um, Hayes? Killian Hayes, yeah. And that way, Hayes at the one, Frank at the two, RJ at the three, Vassal at four, and Mitch at five. Well, how do you... Well, I'm, I'm down, obviously, but how do you kind of reconcile that with the fact that, you know, Bagley reported, hey, it's going to be more so a veteran presence, you know, and, like, the young guys we have are probably the young guys plus whoever we draft, you know? I think... Like, yeah, we're going in this draft with a point guard knee, but what if they got a veteran point guard in mind, you know? During the lotto reaction, obviously he called out Chris Paul, but I didn't get a chance to mention this name, but Fred Van Fleet, man, is playing his way into a huge bag, you know? And for all we know, Toronto can sign him, but he's not a restricted free agent, you know? What if he wants a bigger opportunity in a better city, you know? I heard Toronto's lovely, but New York City is, you know what I mean? New York City. Yeah, Twitter's so. Twitter's mad funny. I saw this picture where someone's like, "What someone looks like in Toronto and what someone looks like in New York." They turned Fred Van Vliet into Raymond Felton. <laughs> That's cruel, but well, okay. I thought you were gonna talk about the picture where it was just like last year. It was like Van Vliet just looked like every Puerto Rican barber in New York City. <laughs> Boom! Like he's made. He made for the city, bro. You know what I mean? Like, so he I mean. Does. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> and it was like a picture of him walking into the arena where he was just wearing like a sweatsuit, like a fit I'm with dead. the headphones around. Like, yeah. all right, he 1,000% looks like a dude, like a barber going to work. So, 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like, hey, you know, Tibbs in his one of his kind of edicts would be probably, hey, let's get a, a an established point guard to come in and. If you have a good like starting point guard, that helps the younger players situationally, you know. And I think that was the goal we had with the Alfred Payton, Alfred Payton signing last year. But mm-hmm. we instead of him being a compliment, you know, the coaching staff and I'm pretty sure Scott Perry directed it. It was just like, hey, let's make, uh, let's let's make Payton our point guard, you know, the point guard. Which we saw how that turned out, you know. So I think it was the right idea, wrong player. So if we did that same kind of methodology with Van Fleet as opposed to Payton. You know what I mean? Like Van Fleet gets all those opportunities that we know how, you know, Fred can ball. You know, he's a great passer, great shooter, feisty, great defender. I think he would be a hand and glove fit with RJ, you know? So I think that needs to be taken into consideration about whether or not we move up for a specific point guard, you know? But it's tough to say because free agency comes after the draft. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, like, how do you, how do you think the draft plays into just that word that Bagley put out there, yo, we're going veteran-oriented, you know what I mean? Like, how do you think that would reflect in who we're targeting and, like, what prospects we should look at, you know? If that's if that's what's going to happen, then, yeah, it looks like we're going to get in a veteran point guard, like you said, like a Chris Paul or a Fred VanVleet kind of guy, and then get Vessel as a two-way superstar potential, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that that could be the way it goes, but it, it would have been nice, obviously, to get a young point guard. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're we can't we can't bank on the idea that we're gonna get Fred VanVleet because you know how it works for free agencies. Uh, we we have a better we have a better chance at getting a solid draft player than we do getting a superstar or a star free agent to come to New York. Agreed, hundred percent. You know, but th- I mean, the Chris Paul would be a trade. And now it's it's just a matter of who would. There's so many factors, you know. Like who's who are we gonna trade? What else are we gonna get? What who else are we gonna get? Or what else are we gonna get with Chris with Chris Paul? Are we gonna get a draft pick for taking on his salary, or is he gonna be seen or seen as a superstar player that we're adding on, and not much so as a detriment where we get extra picks from OKC? And we know how many extra picks they got. They got like fucking fifty extra picks. Are we gonna get Gallo? Like there's, if we were to only just look at the draft and assume we're not going to get any presence from from vets then you know obviously i'd want to go with with vessel and a, a point guard uh but we yeah, uh, I, I just yeah i just think like it, it needs to be considered because like that didn't come out of nowhere and like bagley had to stop saying like oh you know they're not planning i have a veteran presence so i think in that regard maybe the prospects we should be kind of eyeing are guys like you know Devin vessel i think is just the easy slam dunk pick, you know, he's a three, he's the prototypical three and D young guy with that untapped upside that I think Kenny, Kenny Payne can bring out that I think, um, Johnny Bryant can bring bring out, you know what I mean? Just like help him really harness that athleticism. And he, um, I saw clips just like, he's, he's not a shot creator, but he's, he's shown flashes. And I think just given his profile and athletic wing, that's important, you know, cause like Paul George wasn't exactly a consistent shot creator when he came into the league. But um, him playing with a veteran kind of crew and being able to learn on the job while he's while he's playing these important games helped him really develop into a shot creator. And I think Vessel could be the same thing where, you know, we're playing in a veteran-oriented team, but behind the scenes, our player development guys are putting in that work, you know, with Vessel with all the young kids. But my point is, what if we need to kind of, you know, Obi Toppin, I think if we're going to go with, like, a veteran-oriented team this season, Obi Toppin is a good fit just because 
you know, he's going to be coming in ready-made as a scorer, you know, 22 years old. So he's, I don't want to say he's a finished product. I don't want, I don't think any player, young player coming in the league through the draft is a finished product, but he's as close as he can be. So I think, you know, we need to kind of keep an eye on the fact that like, what, it, you know, if we've got our young playmakers, then we need, uh, we need the veteran presence. Like we're probably going to get a veteran point guard, probably going to get a veteran like kind of wing or, you know, a big wing or stretch four like Gallo, but also, you know, we got to keep an eye on these, these connector pieces, you know, like the wings that could just come in that don't need to dominate the ball, especially as young players. So that, I guess that's just my closing thought on the lottery, just because there's so un- there's too much uncertainty at this point, you know, yeah. and with, a lot easier free agency came before. <laughs> and with Obi Toppin, I was listening to, um, I forget which podcast I was listening to. And I think I think it was might have been it might have been SK Perlman on it or another guy, but um, they're basically saying how they asked a lot of NBA execs executives who they thought would go number one. Now there were some picks for Edwards, there were some picks for Lamelo. One exec actually put Obi Toppin as number one. Wow. So with that being said, I think Obi Toppin is a lot more highly regarded than we think, and maybe he's the kind of guy that will go to Golden State at number two because he is a bit more of a finished product and a finisher. And they could have Draymond at the four. They don't have – they could have Draymond at the five, sorry. And they could have Obi Toppin at the four because I don't really think that they have a guy at four right now. Or um, – Eric Pascal. Remember him? He had a pretty good rookie year. Yeah. Pascal. Yeah. Pascal or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's that guy, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. so I don't think he's going to drop down to eight. But with Golden State, like now that I think about it, they have such a high salary cap. Like they don't have enough salary cap is what I'm saying. They like they got Draymond there. They got Andrew Wiggins, Steph, and Clay. With those four guys, they can't afford much. So I I could see them moving down in the draft and try to pick up an Obi Toppin at like four or five, or they might have another favorite player that they like at number eight and try to make a trade with the Knicks so they could save yeah. money and try to get some veteran presence because they're they're going for the title next season. While they still got all these guys, they got MVP on the team. They got def- you know did, did Draymond win Defensive Player of the Year? No, right? He's um, always in yeah, the finals. Yeah, he, no, he, he won the defensive player of the year at least once, yeah. Okay, yeah. He should have had two. He he lost one year, I think, Goubert won, yeah. or Kawhi won, and I was just like tight that Draymond lost. But yeah, that's yeah, like the pass. They, they, they're straight up title contenders the moment everyone's healthy again, which they are. They're ready to go. So I could see them moving down in the draft just to save some money, and then come free agency, they're going to try to get a guy to replace like Andre Godala or something. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good point you made about the league being high in Toppin. Just because I'm looking at the order again, I can see Toppin going to five. You know, we've yeah. seen how Cleveland just been loading up on guards. So why not get, like, that stretch four, especially after the K-Love trade? Look, Love got traded, nah, right? Bro, no, he didn't nah, get traded man. yet. Drummond got traded. Drummond how got traded there, to Cleveland. Bro. I don't understand what Cleveland's doing. They're just trying to, you know, Dan Gilbert is just like, yo, we're, we can't be trash and me losing money. So let's just at least try to be competitive. So I, I mean, I get it, but then I saw another another person say, um, um, Dan Gilbert is a big Israel supporter. Boom, put Denny pencil pencil him in into number five. And my thoughts on Denny are free Palestine. We'll keep it there. We'll keep that there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we're on the same page. There's too much uncertainty at this point, and yeah, I think Golden State is a definitely trade down possibility, and. Interestingly enough, um, in that Bagley article I mentioned to you about that mentioned Cole Anthony, he has fans in the organization. He did mention, you know, Knicks are even exploring trading down from eight. 
So not even trading up, but just trading down from eight, get more assets. So if we trade down from eight and then take like the 27th pick or whatever and move up, I think that'd be kind of cool. You know, we get two like lottery talents, you know, if we kind of move up to into the lottery, but then also trade down, you know, that's like, that's the type of move you see like a smart org make on a random draft day. And then boom, both players turn out to be contributors. You know what I mean? So with a guy like Brock Aller in the fold, who's for, by all accounts seems to be like a creative capologist numbers guy, he'll probably come up with a nice trade. You know what I mean? Like for us to both get down and get value, get our guy, but also, you know what I mean? Make sure we stack our like our cup a cupboard with uh, more assets. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and it should be noted that the 2021 class is supposed to be an amazing draft class. So we can't be giving up next year's pick for anybody. We got to make sure we we keep our pick and maybe try to load up on an extra lottery pick for next year too. That would be smart. Yeah, but then you think about the fact going back to the whole veteran presence being heavy or the rumors and all that smoke about us being more towards winning the season. But then, you know, also like I know Macri's talk talking about like, you know, it's even sounding like we might just do the slow rebuild as well. So it might just be like exactly what you and I wanted last season. Like still try to win but also develop. But we might actually take that we might just redo last season, but we're like smart people executing the plan as opposed to Steve Mills and the Funky Bunch, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the plan yeah, was Craig never Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, the plan was never bad. I think we always I think most Knicks fans, the smart ones at least, I thought the plan was solid getting Randall on paper was smart, getting these forwards was smart to an extent. But it was just Except the name. For Portis, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And getting getting veteran presence to teach the young guys and develop them was smart, but then the coaching guys decided not to give Knox minutes, decided not to give Frank minutes, decided to give Dennis too many minutes, and then decided to give Portis, you know, eighty like forty eight minutes a game. He's our he's our superstar. Treat Alfred Payton like he's C P three, you know what I mean? Like, oh just wait till Peyton get back when he was out, you know what I mean? Like, yo, are we literally waiting for C P three? Yo, just treat, give Frank the ball. Treat Randall oh, like he LeBron. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Shit like bro. that just didn't work out. But, you know, fingers crossed we have a competent coach right now with competent assistant coaches to do the right thing. So the plan yeah, I mean, a, should work out this time on paper. Yeah, depending it on boils down to the difference. It boils down to the difference between Steve Mills and Leon Rose, basically. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You could give a, a flawless 10-point plan on how to start a business to a complete dumbass and then give the, give the same plan to, like, fucking Stephen Hawking. Who are you going to count to, like, succeed on the plan? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, obviously, that's an extreme example, but I I just think that lowly of Steve Mills, bro. Like, <laughs> that dude was comically bad. <laughs> um, I mean, since we're still on this topic of, like, you know, uh, past front front office departures, um, I think you mentioned to me this word that Mike Miller might not return. Um, do you got any more detail on that? Because this is, this is the first time I'm hearing about that. I don't know if it's an official report, but it's been it's been said throughout Twitter and various people that he's not going to return unless uh, he's not going to return, and that if he were to return, it would be at another position that's not assistant uh, coach. Which yeah. you know, it would have been nice to see him as an assistant coach because he did do very well for the Knicks. But there are some people tweeting nonstop that this is a tragedy that this is abysmal the <laughs> Knicks for not bringing back Mike Miller as an assistant coach and in reality in truth it's not it's not a tragedy he did a good job you know does it mean that we owe yeah. him a job no it doesn't 
But do we? Yeah. What we did was that we increased his profile and give and opened up his opportunities, and maybe another team is ready to hire him at a bigger salary. And at that point, you know, the Knicks did their job. They made sure Mike Miller looked good, and he's gonna have a lot more job opportunities than being the coach of a G League team. So instead, I'm sure he's fine <laughs> with not coming back yeah. to Madison Square Garden. I'm sure he at this point he'd rather go somewhere more low key than than New York right now, especially with all the changes going on. It would have been nice to see some continuity with the coaching staff and the players for them That's, to see, yeah. but you know at at the end of the day, it is it is what it is. I doubt he'd want to be a consultant or anything like that. He should be an assistant yeah. coach. Coaching should be in his future, and hopefully, you know, as a Nick fan, I hope to see. Mike Miller on a different team do, doing a kick-ass job, and one day down the line, if he gets better at it, he'll be a permanent head coach with the with the contract, which is what he deserves at the end of the day. He did do a good job, but no, we don't owe him shit. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, facts. And, like, the same fans that are probably freaking out about that. Like, I get it. You'll be sad to see him go because he did a great job, like, considering all the, the, the conditions and situation he walked into. But just... Like, yo, like you hit it on the head. Like, it's not, it's not like a tragic blow to our franchise. You know, I, I trust just from the hires Leon and World Wide West have kind of orchestrated that, like, you know, we know what we're doing with building a staff. Obviously, you and I, we don't have that intricate knowledge of, like, assisting coaching, like, like staff and their, their respective coaching chops and expertise. But, you know, we're going off what, what you know, experts or so-called analysts and, like, the reports from inside the league are saying. And, you know, we're, we're building a good staff. Kenny Payne, Johnny Bryant, you know, Mike Woodson still waiting in the wings somewhere in some capacity, quote unquote. So, yeah, I mean, loved to would have loved to see Miller stay, but you know, to your point, like you ever heard the phrase, "Yeah, comparison is a thief of joy." You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so in this case, it, comparison actually worked to Mike Miller's advantage. You know what I mean? He came in and he was like, "Yo, just don't do, just don't be anything like Fizdale." You know what I mean? <laughs> Fizdale set a dog shit standard, and all Mike had to do was just like tiptoe over that standard. You know what I mean? So he had us playing like how we should have been playing, cause like that man Fizdale just had us on a low, on a lower win rate or win pace than the season prior, when we had the number three pick, like worst record in franchise that, history. Yeah, and then we were about to break that like right away until like you know Mills and Perry, and I bet you Mills didn't want to fire him, but <laughs> it was Perry just like yo, just let just get him out of here. But um, yeah, I mean Mike Miller definitely benefited from that, and um. You know, just from how the team responded, I would love to see him, you know, because coaching continuity is a major thing with young players, you know, like, it's like endless kind of accounts and of other players even saying, like, it's always a disservice to a young player if you keep changing the staff, you know, and we as Knicks fans have just been seeing that for years now, so. Yeah, I, Frank Nilakina was drafted in 2017, I think Tibbs is going to be his fourth coach, Hornacek, Fizdale. Miller and now Tibbs, yeah. Rambus, Rambus. Oh fuck, five. This yeah, is fifth counts, coach. But... Herb Williams, he probably snuck in there. Son <laughs> 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 walked in with a clipboard one time at practice. Hey Herb, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, He's like I, I, I thought I thought I got the call. <laughs> like this is how normal. Oh, not even. You're just, just trying to play it off. Oh look, I'm looking for Mr. Dolan's office. You, <laughs> you guys, wrong turn. My bad, guys. <laughs> Somebody's oh, like, why do you have the team sweats on? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. It's laundry day. It scurries away. <laughs> but you know, you but, mentioned you mentioned how yeah. the Knicks have been looking around the league right now, and like I think the most frustrating thing that came out of the NBA Lottery Day was 
all the media outlets just taking their shot at oh, the man. Knicks with different posts. Like, why is Portals ESPN the number one sports uh, media outlet in the world putting up a picture of the Joker and just saying Knicks fans getting ready for lottery day? Like, no, Knicks fans didn't think we were gonna, like we didn't think we were gonna get the number one pick. We knew we were somewhere in the range from six to eight. Would it been ha- would it have been nice to get the number one pick? Yeah, just like. 29 other teams would like to get the number one pick. It it makes it it sucks that we're in a position right now where media outlets like to poke fun, not just poke fun, but like do it simply just to get more attention head head their way. They know that Nick's Twitter will respond and they're going to go off fucking De'Aaron Fox who just got the number 12 pick for some so reason. Ran. You play for the Kings, bro. It's like the what most, are you talking shit for? Is the most <laughs> random thing that I saw and you know, people responded, and he kept tweeting more and more. It's probably the most, honestly, the most clicks that he got in four years, or maybe ever, honestly, because at this point, like, who gives a shit about the Kings? They're the, the most irrelevant team in the entire NBA, you know? And, yeah, yeah, and this coming from Knicks fans, you know? We know misery, and it's just like, at least we've seen the playoffs in the last 10 years, you know what I mean? DeAndre Fox is, like, in preschool. Yeah. yeah, exactly. DeAndre Fox is in preschool, like, Still having his lunch pack for him when he, when last time the Kings made the playoffs, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and really, the only way that we can get past this is either one, we play competently and we play competently for more than a season, or two, we just stop responding to clown shit. And you know, I posted a quote on Twitter Jeff, with, with Nipsey, and he's just like, "Yo, like you just you just gotta let clown shit be clown shit and let it let time expire it, and they're gonna stop one day." And I think. As Knicks fans, if you're listening to this, if you start seeing clown shit, we got to do our best just to keep our mouths shut and just let it be and trust that the front office is doing the right thing. And at some point in the near future, the Knicks will be a competent team that people are like, all right, yeah, like the Knicks are in the playoffs again. Like, this is good shit. And obviously, this is wishful thing. We've been hoping for this every, you know, since for a decade now almost. But when it was 2013 and the Knicks were in the playoffs, every all eyes were on the Knicks trying to make it to – the, the Eastern Conference Finals to play against Miami. And really when it went downhill was when Kenny and Martin, J.R. Smith, and those guys wore black to that Celtics game, and that's when we clowned yeah. ourselves. And that's when, you know, we really fucked ourselves up. And obviously last year with the whole Zion, KD, free agency stuff, like that, yeah, we should take some blame for it, but it was really fucked up because obviously the media the really media. created the, media they created the like, narrative. Exactly. They propagated that whole, like, rumor cycle of, like, KD and Kyrie – locks you know what i mean but then they clown us when the fans buy into it you know what i mean that ain't shit that that shit didn't come out of nowhere it wasn't like you and i literally i always think about this we started our podcast talking about how much of a pipe dream it was that kd would come then when it became real you and i were just like what the fuck where is this coming from you know what i mean but we bought into it because it's like all the heavy hitters were like you know just talking about it and yeah like you know that nipsey quote which by the way i see what you did there don't pay attention to the clown shit ESPN posted a picture of the Joker. I see what you did there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, Nip hit her on the head. Rest in peace, by the way. You know what I mean? It's been over a year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but, um, yeah, just ignore the clown shit is the best way to do it. Like, I, I was down to just completely ignore what's going on on Twitter. But the De'Aaron Fox shit is what had my blood boiling. I was like, bro, you literally, like, you imagine there's, like, a whole pack of midgets. And one, one midget looks at the other one. And he's like, ha, you short as fuck, bro. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what are you talking about, Darren? Like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, we just, created that shit. I, set me off. Honestly, <laughs> I think this whole Nixon created the whole Stephen A. Smith reacts segment. Like, anytime there's a Stephen A. Smith reacts now, 
on first take yeah. they they create a whole segment on youtube that gets hundreds of thousands of views and i really think that came out from his bullshit reactions to the knicks like misfortunes yo e- espn is the one that like proclaims or anointed Steph- Stephen a smith as the voice of knicks fans when nobody really sees him as that you know what i mean like I don't know. It's all. It's all. It's a self fulfilling prophecy, and they knew what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like Knicks fan angst is a, is a a cottage industry that's very profitable. You know what I mean? So like, if they can fucking um, press our buttons, get us annoyed in any way possible, then they'll do it. And it's on us, like you said. Just ignore the clown shit, yo. Like once we become good, or if and one if and when we become good, our shit talk's gonna be unbearable. I'm coming at all these fucking reporters. You know what I mean? She's a I'll long be time so- coming. Long time. I'm gonna coming. be in Isola's. I'm gonna be in Isola's DMs, threatening, threatening to beat the shit out with eight different kind of dildos. You know what I mean? Because that's exactly <laughs> what he deserves. Like a massive dildo getting beat the shit by dildos. That's gonna be poetic. Like, I saw a tweet that was just like, "Yo, when the Knicks are good, I'm gonna be unbearable. I'm gonna be talking shit to babies." And that was the most, like, it, it, the, the young kids like saying mood. You know what I mean? That was the biggest mood I've ever had in my life in that moment. Like, you 100% right. I'm going up to toddlers and just being like, what? What? I can't hear you. Knicks, we in the playoffs. We, we in 50 games. X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be beautiful, bro. We're going to be unbearable. And these media people that were picking on us, picking on the Knicks fan base, they're going to wish they did it, you know? Because they'll have it coming, and they're going to play victim like they always do. You know what I mean? They're going to be like, oh, Knicks fans, they don't they don't know how to act like they've been there before. You know what I mean? Like, they're not classy. It, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, bro. They get our angst up, so when we do become good and we take it back out on them, they're like, ugh, New York fans. No class. No decorum. Like, who, who raised these motherfuckers? <laughs> Bitch, like, I was raised on Knicks hate and fucking propaganda. <laughs> like, you motherfuckers shit on us, and you get mad when we're going to come back and stomp you out. Verbally, of course. I don't, not trying to propagate violence. But hey, if you, if you want to go find Isola's address and go take care of that, I won't, I won't stop you. But, yeah, that's all that is to say that our day is coming. We thought it would be coming soon, but it's all right. The big man upstairs knew we weren't we weren't in a, a humble enough spot in our life. You know what I mean? Because our shit talk would be too unbearable if we did end up getting KD. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need a little bit more uh, a little bit more trouble in our waters, a little less smooth sailing before we hit that jackpot, and we can say like, "Yo, we finally nice. We gonna we gonna talk all our shit." Because I'm, I'm right. I'm taking notes. I'm writing down names of reporters. You know, uh, prominent Twitter personalities. We, hold, we, we holding them receipts, boy. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. Fuck, fuck the whole Knicks for clicks. Like, there are people that actually say the Knicks fans are crazy for even believing that's a thing. But just like the draft lottery happened, we're nowhere near the conversation for the number one pick. We're at the sixth number most, sixth highest odds to get the number one pick. But then all the hate of not getting the number one pick comes towards us. Where is the sense in that? Wasn't Cleveland? Cleveland dropped three spots from two to five. That's worse to me. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, all due respect, it is it is Cleveland. <laughs> That's exactly why they should get the shit talk. They had LeBron twice and he left. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, and, like, only reason, you know. and after the lottery, the headlines like, NBA draft lottery is over. The Knicks do not get the number one pick. It's not even that Minnesota got the number one pick. It's that the Knicks did not. Like... <laughs> That's that's the that's the headline. The Knicks don't get it. And we're never gonna it is, get it. 
And these are the same people, these same outlets that are going to try to tell you like, oh no, the small markets matter too. Bitch, if that's the case, how come there isn't like puff pieces about how much of a joy it is for the Minnesota fan base that they have the number one pick again? You know what I mean? It's not, it's, we're not seeing none of that now. No like fluffy, like fairy tale stories about how like, oh, it's been tough to be a Minnesota fan. But now we have Cat, we have D'Angelo Russell, we have a number one pick, Futures Bright. We're not seeing none of that. We're just seeing Nick's jokes. Like that tells you a lot about this whole like, this double standard like oh we need to big up the small markets but yo any chance we get the big market the biggest market that hasn't been consistently good in so long we're gonna keep shitting on them for some reason i don't know shit we should know. we should come together and write an article about this let them know my article would just be like me taking a shit on a piece of paper putting it in an envelope and sending it to frank Arcelo. i don't know why he keeps coming up but he's just like <laughs> the one mascot for just like unnecessary nicks bullshit like anything could happen like james owen I'm not a fan, but he could contribute to a fund to find the cure for fucking cancer, and Isola will try to tie that back to, like, the Knicks being trash. Like, he's... <laughs> that dude is... I think he's, like, Ted Bundy of, like, sports reporters. Like, he's some kind of cuckoo, bro. Allegedly. I don't, I don't want to throw out a serious allegation out there. Frank's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you? I heard, he, I heard somebody on Twitter tell me when I was, like, a couple years back when I was shitting on my Twitter, some dude hit me up. He's like, because I said, like, yo, one day soon, I will slap the shit out of you, Frank Isola. I said that on my old account. It's deleted. But uh, this dude, like, tweeted me. He's like, yo, he has security, though, so he won't get close. Like, he literally has a personal security guard, apparently, or some shit. Because, like, he just gets that much, like, people wanting to just wring his neck. So that says, I think that says a lot about the person and not the people that are frustrated by him. That's just my point, you know? I think he's just an incomp in encapsulation of the anti-Nick agenda, if we're gonna get on the soapbox, he's a little fucking <laughs> yeah, he's a literal fucking troll, and I hate people like that. I hate him. I hate Six Nine, who's the biggest fucking troll right now in the world. I I don't know how Howard this dude Beck. is still alive. Howard <laughs> Beck, he's worse I think than Isola in that like Howard tries to sell himself as like a enlightened, mm. objective voice. He, oh, he's like, I don't have a problem with the Knicks. When they do good things, I'll compliment them. Bitch, we just hired Kenny Payne. You make it about, like, oh, it's it's obviously a hire about free agency. What? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, we could go on on this rant for a minute. Like, the like just the reporters that are, like, just blowing smoke up people's asses, bro. Howard Beck ain't no objective personality. He's a bitch. Mark Berman is slowly becoming one of the best guys that the Knicks have on their side. <laughs> when, when did that happen? <laughs> You saw him he's shit like, on De'Aaron Fox. He, he, oh, he came at De'Aaron Fox. He came at all of Sacramento. Man's not allowed in Sacramento anymore. <laughs> I like him just because anytime... Yo, protect somebody, Mark somebody, Berman. <laughs> somebody, anytime somebody's flagging about the Knicks or a Knicks player or Melo, Mark Ber Berman always comes correct. He's like he's like the type of dude that's just like, oh, you, I can make fun of my family. You can't make fun of my family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's a difference, you know? I saw, I think uh, on a recent Knicks Film School podcast, Macri was saying... Um, yeah, Mike Berman is just basically like the the cool, kooky uncle of the Knicks beat. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he'll say weird shit, but you know people just let it rock because it's Berman. This is that's his unk. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's his yeah. uncle Berman. So I, I fuck with it. You know, Bagley, he's cool. You know, like so there's some good voices out there. Um, Chris Herring, I loved him when he was on the Knicks beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like we can't let the negativity. Um, outweigh the good and i say that after a minute's long rant about the negativity but you know moving on <laughs> yeah i mean again to those listening yo just if you see it don't respond to it if you want to respond to it do, hit a one-liner or something but you don't need to break out how many titles the knicks have ever won or how many 
opportunities that we had in the past. Like that, that shit doesn't matter anymore. They don't care. Just let it be. Let that shit expire, and let the winds talk in the future. And it'll come one day. I hope. Yeah, fingers crossed. And that's all we all we got is hope. And that's what being a fan is. You know what I mean? And that's what uh, Schwinny Poo made this point on Twitter. Just like maybe the NBA ratings are down because these fucking outlets just keep shitting on fans yeah. for being fans. There are people clowning like, oh, look at these Knicks fans at the lottery, how excited they are for the possibility of the number one pick. It's a fucking lottery. Should we not be excited about the possibility? You know what I mean? How are you going to buy a lottery ticket and just be like, this idiot, hopeful that he'll win? All right, now, now. What? Now, now. We, <laughs> we're trying to pe- <laughs> We're trying to preach not, <laughs> not getting mad. <laughs> It uh, you know, they know exactly what they're doing. It's yeah. just like they're shitting on fans for being fans. Like, uh, re- remind me again, what drives ESPN's profit margins? Like the leagues, yes, but the leagues ain't shit without fans. So I mean, uh, yeah, we just got to come back with sarcastic and smart remarks, not just facts aren't you know. gonna work at this point. So just, just be, be, let's be pricks. We can do that. Yeah, I mean, eat a dick works for me. It's like a pretty concise statement right there. You know what I mean. Yeah. There's a Kings fan. There's a Kings fan that came out of us on Twitter. Like, oh, how many how many games y'all win last season in in, in, a, in a soft East? I was like, eat a dick. Also, and I posted like the picture of like the last 14 seasons of no playoffs. That's all that needs to be said. I'm not gonna take shit from a Kings player or a fan. Are you kidding me? I like yo. If we in the tenement housing of like NBA like like hierarchy, like we're in the projects, they in the basement of the projects. You know what I mean? Like that's. What, we first floor at least we got a view we got a window <laughs> we got bars on our window you know what i mean <laughs> i don't know bro yeah if you want to turn to more brighter and more happy news i'd love to hear it <laughs> uh, oh you, do you have any because i i don't, no, I, don't I mean the no. playoffs are still going on um yeah the blazers matchup has been great with the lakers it would be nice to see Melo come out with the ring but I think LeBron James and AD they they might just be too much to overcome at this point. Um, PG yeah. has been mad funny <laughs> playoff P like everybody's shitting on PG now, <laughs> and he can't he can't back himself up. Man forgot how to shoot, so you know someone someone find out what's wrong with PG. Yeah, and the funniest thing about PG is I saw he posted like some fucking it was not this game but after the last game where they lost and he didn't perform. Just like a regular occurrence for playoff P now or mm-hmm. pandemic P, whatever you want to call him. He posted like some, like, like I think it was like on his Instagram story about like, oh, all these people just keep talking about me and I don't think about them. Bro, you are a major professional athlete in a very visible and professional league. You know what I mean? Like, of course, people are going to talk about you and shit on you. That's part of the job. Like, what kind? He, he He's up there just throwing up, like, like insta-thotty, like, subliminals. Like, sl- subliminals. Like, oh, these people just can't keep my name out their mouth. Bro, you are Paul George. You have a signature sneaker line. Should we not shit on you? You're the one that put out a commercial, like, oh, ball game. And he's, like, making a game winner. Like... And then you flash forward to now, ball game, and that shit, like, hit the side of the fucking rim. Like, that's playoff P's, like, resume so far. Yeah, and he played himself because he really fucked up when he came at Damian Lillard. And he made himself look stupid. He put all the attention on himself, and he can't keep up and yeah. play like Dame at this point. Dame has been outperforming him, even though they're not in the same series, obviously. But, like, if you put, if you put your name out like that, like, you better, you better have the numbers to show it. You know, back yourself up. Yeah, I mean, that's the basic playground rule. Talk... Sh- like talk shit and back it up you know what i mean like and if you talk shit and you don't back it up you're gonna get hit and in this in this point he's not getting physically hit he's getting verbally 
abused and hit online as he should because that comes with the territory of being a star. You know what I mean? Like, tie back to the Lakers series. LeBron's been dealing with that his entire life. You know what I mean? Like, you don't think LeBron, like, say what you will about his Miami era. You know, like, I didn't fuck with him then, but yo, he made him, he embraced the villain role and he did what he had to do. You know what I mean? You got playoff P over here just emotional. Like, <laughs> come on, bro. Like, he, Kawhi's not saying shit. He's just quiet and going to work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Follow your captain's example. And really what we're seeing right now is a new villain in the NBA. Like that's like that's how sports works. And I'm I, I always think back to when John Cena was hosting the yeah, the ESPYs <laughs> and he really made this point a hundred percent clear that wrestling and the NBA and sports in general are the same. Like you always need a new Everything hero. Is wrestling. You always need <laughs> you always need a new villain and right now we went from LeBron to K D. Now that KD's in Brooklyn, he's not and he hasn't played for a year, there's no villain. And now PG's really just taking that role, and I think Dame has become like the hero right now, and everyone's rooting. There are a lot of people rooting for him, including myself and Melo. Yeah, Dame's cool. You know what I mean? Blade is a mad lovable. You got Dame, cool as fuck, obviously. Um, Melo, obviously. So, like, that's a nice little Cinderella story, at least in the bubble. Um, yeah, I think Paul George is just being a clown. But, you know, if you perform... And it's not like he's a scrub, you know? He's a great player. It's just like people are shitting on you because we know what you can do, bro. You know what I mean? Like, just live up yeah. to the standard you set. Like, how dare we? <laughs> like, I don't know, bro. It's sensitive error of players, bro. Yeah. You know, we, we we had a whole series about the last dance. You talk about the scrutiny Jordan went through. But I think you were about to say something. My bad. I no, no I was going to say that we're going to start breaking out these playoff games on the Tuesday and Friday morning episodes. We'll get more statistical about it and we'll, we'll we'll break it out for everyone here and Get more analytical yeah exactly it. and we'll we'll come up with our playoff predictions like we got a long way to go with the playoffs we're still in the first round uh but it's nice to see the games going on throughout the day shout out to donovan mitchell who's been fucking killing it right now absolutely killing right. it we thought i thought last year he might have been a little overrated i think we might have touched on this an episode two ago I think but he, i think he was though you know but now it's just like he's living into his reputation hell yeah that, like people are putting on him He's and, he's escalating himself, and sooner or later you got to put him in that top ten conversation, if not already. Not yet, not yet. Like he's he's a nice young player. He top if he keeps 10? it up, if he keeps it up, he did he did score fifty. What was it, fifty seven points the other day? He might be. Right, he might be. We'll, we'll, let's do a quick top ten right now. Go, let's do let's, a quick top ten right now. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, if you're gonna, if you're gonna put me on the spot know. like that, in no in no particular order at the moment, I got I got to think first. Uh, you got LeBron, KD. AD, Giannis, Harden, that's five. Um, Kawhi, that's six. Steph, Steph. if you're going to count of course, KD, Ste- you got to count Steph. Steph, that's seven. Uh, now let's, i got to think a little bit more. Maybe Jokic. Again, this is in no order. This is just to put a top ten together. Eight. Yeah, let's yeah. I mean, Dame, yeah, one, Dame two, might. Four, I think Dame. You might have to put in that top ten conversation. He's at, he's elevated himself. Doncic. I'm, I'm willing oh. to put him top ten right now already. I'm saying we can keep going for names. So I, I'm not trying to take away praise from Donovan Mitchell. I'm just saying like top ten gets thrown around, and I'm definitely not gonna let that get thrown around for Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you were to say yo Dame, he's in the top ten right now. All right, no argument. Russ, Russ is higher than Donovan on the top ten, bro. You know what I mean? Let's see how he does. Russell in the playoffs. gave me the passing and re- what was he doing before a playoffs? That's the thing. He was outperforming Donovan. Let's be real, Donovan. Yo, he's. I'm just playing. saying. I'm just saying that like if he continues to sustain this level of play, obviously I'm not saying 50 points a game, but like if he averages 38 and like four or whatever, 
And we obviously we'll have to see until next season. I think this season we are we already know who the top ten players in the NBA are. But I'm saying like if we see an elevated level of play similar to what we're seeing in the playoffs next season in the first two months, you gotta you gotta he has to be part of that conversation. You might be able to you might be able to take I like Damian Lillard's gonna be a year old. Damian Lillard's like he's he's already maybe like two years into his prime. How old is he? Like twenty eight now, twenty nine? About to be thirty, I think. But yeah. my biggest point is like I think Donovan Mitchell is a lot farther away from ten, top ten than you you would. Surmise, would you say bro? he's top? Would like, you say he's likely in the top twenty? Top twenty for sure. Nah, not for sure. Like Devin Booker is higher than Mitchell. Sure, sure, sure. sure. We got I forgot Joel Embiid, uh, Kyrie, Kyrie, Embiid. The list. Jason Tatum. I take him over Mitchell. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, you gotta, you gotta be more. Let's not be prisoners of the moment. Is my biggest takeaway. We can't go from saying his reputation is overrated to like over, actually overrating him. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 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 no. You're right. I'm not saying he's top ten now, but I'm saying, like I said, maybe next season he could be. Clay Thompson. That's a name. I take him over Donovan. Healthy Clay. You know what I mean? Bradley Beal. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe not Bradley. I'm writing down names right now. Maybe not Beal. I mean, Beal's a better scorer, better passer, worse defensively. You know what I mean? Better shooter. Um, Devin Booker, I think he has a better case than, than Mitchell. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, you already mentioned like, him. Exactly. So, I mean, I mean, not to go too off, too far off the rails. Like, to go circle back. Like, yeah, Mitchell, definitely, definitely do praise. I think he's kind of squash just the argument about who's more important to utah's future not that's not i think rudy gobert is a bitch ass motherfucker but that's not to take away from his his skills as an elite defensive presence because i'm of the opinion that to this day our the casual viewing audience of the nba just underrates defense so fucking heavily because the numbers from the very beginning of rudy gobert's ascendance have said Utah's so much better when he's on the floor just because of the presence he has. But I think Mitchell kind of has inched himself above Gobert in terms of the pecking order on Utah. So I think it'll be just interesting to see what happens with that like in the offseason, whether we see Mitchell pull a KP and say, hey, I'm going to sign the qualifying offer if you don't trade me. You know what I mean? Or whether they do the unthinkable and trade Gobert. I think it's, it's going to be interesting for Utah. You know what I mean? Are you all in on Mitchell, though? Would you throw RJ in a deal for him? If it was a thing? If that was even, like, a possibility? Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm guess i going to um, contradict myself he's and say 10, no. <laughs> I didn't say he's, <laughs> he's top, top 10. 10 I, I didn't say he's top you 10, but to... I'm saying maybe next year he could be, he could come into that conversation we, we if he sustains that level of play. <laughs> no, for the clarification, yeah, he is not top 10, but he could be in that conversation next season. Because he he has like the third most points ever in a playoff game, like by record. That's that's what he has. So there has to hold some truth to that that he could be top ten. Maybe not in the next year, you know. Maybe not next year. I mean, next year he could be in the top fifteen. You know, we'll we'll have to see. Or maybe maybe I really am just overrating the shit out of him. But I'm gonna contradict myself and say no. I wouldn't trade R.J. Barrett for him right now. No. Exactly, you know what I mean. You if know. you, I, I know for a fact that I'd trade RJ for a surefire top ten guy. So, I think that's the biggest indicator whether you would take trade one of your untouchables for a guy if he is a top ten. You know, but yeah, I definitely do think he's just scratching the surface because we've been seeing that improvement. But 
Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't improve because we, we we took his, his guy, Johnny Bryant. You know what I mean? He's, he's on the Knicks now. So if he wants to keep climbing, I, I don't know. Maybe we might need to push that trade towards uh, MSG. That's a word to the wise for Donovan. Um. Yeah, I mean, anything else we want to touch on? Or if you want to kind of wrap up this Sunday Sunday edition, we yeah. make this pod. Yeah, might as well wrap it up because everybody got to listen to the Tuesday episode too. You know, so... Uh, hope everyone enjoyed this Sunday edition of the Nickish Show. Again, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Sportscaster. If you don't know what Sportscaster is, yo, you gotta check that out. It's like the sports mm-hmm. edition of Twitch. Uh, there are people live streaming all the time about different things going on in sports, football in it, baseball, basketball, everything. And you got you know regular old people just commenting on games like us. So check it out. Uh, follow nothing but Nicks as well. Uh, especially on Sportscaster. They're really running every Knicks content that's on the platform. So check us out there. Again, Instagram, Twitter, at Nickish Show. Follow, subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple. And, yeah, man, keep keep, lis- keep listening to us. We're, we're trying to drop about three episodes a week at the minimum. And, you know, this this next year is going to be pretty big for us, with, especially with our collaboration and partnership with Nothing But Knicks. So check them out as well at Nothing But Knicks. On all platforms. Yeah, and um, stay safe out there. Rest in peace, Kobe. Rest in peace, Gigi. Um, rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle, the great. Rest in peace, Breonna Taylor. Arrest those fucking killers. Um, yeah, rest in yeah. peace, George Floyd as well. Yeah, and, and pay attention to pay attention to what's going on in Gaza. They've been bombed about ten days in a row now, and no one, no media is talking about it. Of course, there was, you know, RIP to those who passed away in the Lebanon. Lebanon bomb, but Fact. that what that was a self unfortunate self induced one. But but Gaza, they're being bombed right now. So pay attention to that. Pay attention to everything that's going on in America right now. Shit, make sure you're registering to vote. You gotta vote blue at this point, even if you don't like the candidate. You got you gotta vote for it because the you know the other choice that you have really isn't the best. And we're headed Yo, to in- quote Obama's speech, which is pretty brilliant. You know what I mean? He just said our democracy at stake, and I hundred percent believe that shit. Like we we keep that fucker in office another four years, like shit's gonna get all bad. Yeah, like, and if you're listening to swing states, you know, if you're not New York, I think you know everyone pretty much knows which direction New York is gonna go in. But if you're not from New York and you're from other states that have had different results the last couple of elections, make sure you register to vote, man. Like. Your votes are the ones that really, really count at this time. And don't think that just because your state, if you're living in New York especially, don't think that your vote doesn't count. Like, it all it all counts. It all works towards one clear direction, and that's to make sure that this, t- this country doesn't go to shit the next decade. Uh, I know especially those young people around right now who are looking for jobs and shit. Like, it's, it's tough right now. Just make sure you stay hustling. Just make sure you stay focused. And it's okay to feel shitty sometimes, but... You know, like Kobe said, like you gotta strive to make every day better than yesterday. And 2020, that shit rings true, a thousand percent. Stay strong, stay safe, wear a mask, sign petitions, donate as much as you can, help those around you, and you know, subscribe to our show too while you're at it. Uh, in any case, Facts. in any case, all, all those things are of <laughs> equal importance, obviously. So, yeah. <laughs> do all of them with as much commitment as focus as you can. Yeah, bro. Uh, In any case, uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Peace out. Peace.